1: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Fay. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And Jack, we got some big news today, and we also got a Nets loss. How are we doing?
2: Welcome to no Nash November. Apparently no Kyrie November as well.
1: Yes. Um, obviously, early today, we had the reports that Steve Nash is no longer the Nets head coach, and we saw Jock Vaughn fill in as an interim head coach. And early reports point to Imei Yudoka coming in and taking Steve Nash's spot. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But Jack, I guess, what was your initial reaction when you woke up today?
2: Well, I had about 40 million Bleacher Report notifications. I'm blocked by Woj, so I can't see him whenever you send me stuff from him. So I'm generally getting stuff from Shams and stuff. But it was... It was happiness, Nick, because I think a lot of people are talking about Steve Nash as a scapegoat, and we can discuss that a little bit. But ultimately, Steve Nash wasn't getting through to these players. He isn't competent enough to lead a team that has aspirations that the Nets have. And the fall guy, at least at this point in time, has to be Steve Nash. It should have been done sooner, but you know, for Sean Marsh's credit, better late than never. But it was an element of relief and optimism somewhat because... You know, well, we spoke about this a lot with Justin and at, at a pretty low point after that Pacers loss. He was advocating for it, and I'm happy that it did happen. It should have happened in the offseason, but as the Nets stand right now, and, you know, pointing towards M.A. Udoki, we'll have to do another emergency pod about Quinn Snyder because Joe Sai doesn't like the, the optics that are coming out, and we can discuss that too. But for me, it was a relief, optimism, and, and a tinge with a bit of happiness, Nick. No Nash November. I'm happy with that. How are
1: you? Yeah, I think it was a relief. You know, obviously going to the season, there was a big question mark about Steve Nash and if he could get the job done and if he had already lost the team. And given the performance after that Pacer loss, you pretty much saw the writing on the wall. Even the way Nash talked about the team and almost calling them out and saying, like, we can make a decision to kind of give up or fight. And, you know, that's not his mentality or the way he's been pretty much in his entire tenure with the Nets. So I think... We expect this to come at some point this season. It was a little surprising that it did come after uh, a win. But at the end of the day, I think if you're going to make a coaching change, you want to get it done as soon as possible. So now you have an opportunity to, you know, bring in another head coach rather than just, you know, uh, promote one of your assistants.
2: That's it. And for the record, who haven't been keeping up with it, Steve Nash tweeted out uh, a little bit of an image. Thank you, Brooklyn. A very heartfelt thanks to John Clara Sy, along with Sean Marks, for giving me the opportunity to coach the Brooklyn Nets. It was an amazing experience with many challenges that I'm incredibly grateful for. It was a pleasure to work with the players, performance team, and front office every day. I'm especially grateful to my coaching staff and video room, who are a talented group with so much character and professionalism. Lastly, thanks to Brooklyn and the passionate fans who support this team. Family first, and my family has found a home here and love being a part of this beautiful community I wish the all the success in the world and the Nashes will be rooting for our team as they turn this season around look I think what I think about that is is Steve and I showed a bit of class there you know I, I, we weren't a fan of him as a coach but that didn't attract us from like you know Steve Nash's character. You know, he's been a professional this whole the whole way through this. And the the comments that you were sort of alluding to after that game it, were reminiscent of sort of Kenny Atkinson in, in his sort of final days as a Brooklyn Nets head coach. So shout out to Steve. I'll be following him and I still like him as as a guy and as an NBA legend, but he was not right for this Nets head coach shop. This should have happened in July when Kevin Rand provided the ultimatum. But all power to him. Hopefully you go play some soccer, do some TikTok dances, my guy.
1: Yeah, I think it really should have happened in you know May or April after that uh, Celtics playoff loss. You know, we've kind of heard there was rumblings that he was going to be let go after game two. And then next thing you know, he's, he's still under contract and Joe Josiah sticking with him even when Katie requests that he's fired in the summer. So I think there's probably a bit of relief from Nash's side as well. You know, this was... Just probably not what he expected, especially how well his first season went in terms of you know having James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, them going on that great stretch at you know the end of the season, really having a nice playoff run until injuries hit, and it was always like what could have been. And obviously, you know, without having that elite coaching staff he had in year one, you saw a lot of his flaws and a lot of his limitations and in areas that he just needed to improve and didn't have experience. You know, maybe later down the line, he'll be, you know, a better NBA head coach if he pursues this as, you know, a second career. But as of right now, a lot of improvements are still needed for him to be impactful as a head coach. And, and it's nothing against him as a person, like you said, Jack, always professional and seemed like a really nice guy.
2: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, look, he looked at his best when he was surrounded by people with experience around him, including the and in Nets, 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 Nets next head coach. Wow, I'm not saying that more than once. Um, Ime Udoka, as well as Mike D'Antoni, and and these sort of guys around him. You know, you surround uh, a guy that had lacks experience, lacks head coaching. Now he came in as a untried non-assistant head coach. He just came in because. A lot of people say it was the Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving hire. Well, no, this was a Sean Marks hire in my eyes, and a Joe Cy hire more so. And Kevin Durant gave his seal of approval. And those guys, Joe Sy wanted to look splashy, being you know the the new head owner, make it make a name for himself. And Sean Marks has ties to Steve Nash uh, in their time in in San Antonio and Phoenix. So I think that sorry, just Phoenix. But in in saying that, you know, he wasn't right for the job. He might be right for a different job, but. Nick, was Nash a scapegoat? You know, to all the, the the Nets' failings. Right now, we heard Charles Barkley sort of say that. It, it can I think a, a lot of people in Nets sort of have, have said it pretty smartly that two things can be true: he can be a scapegoat, and he can also be shit at his job. Yeah, I
1: think that's probably you know the answer right there. I think to an extent, maybe he's a scapegoat, but at the same time are you really a scapegoat if the team isn't listening to you and they're not buying into what you're He settling? said that
2: as well, Nick. We we got that from Sean Marks or, or a rumor somewhere. He said to, to Sean Marks, he's like, they're not responding to me. I can't remember yep. where that quote came from. I but think it
1: was at the presser, yeah. And they, I think that's a huge factor. And at the end of the day, if the coach's message is not getting across and it's seven games in the season and it's – it's not going to work out. You know, it's, there's no point in kind of running it through and just having an unsuccessful year. You want to make the change. You know, you're still technically quote unquote in a championship window and you want to see if you can turn this around. And I think it was pretty obvious that Nash wasn't the guy for the job. And I think at the end of the day, and this is, you know, I guess a shot at him as a coach, but you feel like there is more of a possibility for the Nets to be successful with a new head coach. We kind of knew the limitations to Steve Nash and, We didn't have confidence if the Nets were able to, you know, have a successful season and get into the postseason that he was going to be able to outcoach or not get substantially outcoached by another, you know, Eastern Conference coach in a playoff series.
2: Well, I think with Sean Marks as well, there were rumors of an extension in the offseason, and those were refuted pretty quickly. And now his job is under the hot seat as well. The Nets need to find some success. Yes, like there's people talking about, you know, did I just blow it up? Bobby Marks saying, trade me. It's rich whenever Bobby Marks speaks about the Brooklyn Nets, given what he did to our beloved franchise. But that's a discussion for another day. Sean Marks is on the hot seat now as well. So he needs to make moves that are urgent and allows job security for him going forward. You know, his offseason was hit and missed. To, to put it lightly. And now, Steve Nash, you're not going to fire the GM. Uh, Kevin Durant's got one of his guys fired. You're not going to fire Sean Marsh probably with, within the season, even if he should be, um, for for many reasons, as, as some people might outline. But ultimately, Sean Marsh is in the hot seat as well. And this is a move that sort of, you know, eases the warmth on the, the hot seat that is his because he has a lot of work to do if he wants to maintain uh, a future in Brooklyn and in the NBA.
1: Yeah, I think Marks is, Pretty much his his seat is super hot. And by the end of the season, it'll either be, you know, he's extended or the nets are going to blow this thing completely up. You know, I think that's what we're looking at going into the offseason. And by the end of the year, we'll have an idea if this is going to be a group they look to keep together. Is KD going to be around or are they going to look to trade him and just kind of give somebody a, a fresh slate to reset the franchise?
2: We'll have to wait and see how that one does pan out, Nick. But uh, a few, uh, any final sort of thoughts, I guess, on the Nash side of things before we get into the the complications that do surround, you know, the possible hiring of MAU Doka?
1: Yeah, I think I would just point out some of Nash's um, weaknesses as a coach in terms of like defending of why he was fired. I think instantly you can look at some of the lineups he played. And there being obvious weaknesses on the floor and not looking to experience with younger players a la Cam Thomas or, you know, playing lineups of four non-shooters with Kevin Durant or things along those lines. I think the lack of adjustment and then also at times just not having the tenacity to call guys out and kind of, you know, get them to play to a certain level. And it's it felt at times Steve Nash as a coach was probably too much a friend rather than a boss
2: no and i think that that's one thing that if this Doka hiring does happen is almost a complete opposite given what he's done in his history uh, in boston at least as a head coach obviously there's plenty of controversies that we can discuss as well but i think also as well nick we steve kerb you know obviously as his ties to steve now He said we wouldn't have done any better i and that's dispute. a lie <laughs> that is that's a flat-up lie why you always line that you can say whatever meme you, uh, you want about that but Yes, there were plenty of plenty of challenges for Steve Nash, as he alluded to, but he could have responded to those challenges a lot better. He was very reactive as a head coach and not very proactive as a head coach. He never really initiated any sort of system within the Brooklyn Nets on, on both ends of the floor. There were principles that he wanted, but he couldn't get the players to execute. And ultimately, that's his job, to get the players to respond to what he wants them to do and you know execute and, and win games. You, know, you judge on wins and losses, and he had like a, a 600 or so win, win-loss record, which is positive. I think one of the highest for like a, a a fired head coach, but with aspirations as high as the Brooklyn Nets have had the past two or three years, you know, he wasn't going to last long. And it's surprising that he did last this long, last this long, sorry. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the
0: best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
2: And now the Nets, the search somewhat begins. It's finished. Ime Udoka, Nick.
1: What's yeah, reportedly, next? you know, Ime Udoka will be the Nets' new head coach. You know, it, it was reported by Woj that the deal should get done sometime midweek. That was reported earlier today. Obviously, Udoka has a. Uh, a nasty history right now with the Celtics. He was suspended for the season season for essentially, you know, misconduct in the workplace related to a relationship he had with a Boston Celtics staffer that
2: consensual relationship from consensual, what has been reported yep. as well. Yeah. Yep.
1: And it's more so just, and then there was a little bit of, you know, inappropriate behavior reported in, in the workplace. And then there was also a rumor that, the woman was also the wife of somebody else higher up in the Celtics organization. So a lot of layers to this. There's also a whole bunch of under rumblings that don't necessarily have a ton of credence or are well sourced to you know, report on a podcast.
2: No, and obviously him himself, you know, Yame Yudoku or his relationship with Nia Long. But I, I want to give, you know, what has been reported, Nick, and via Woj, The independent law firm probe into the Boston Celtics head coach Yme Yudoka found that he used crude language in his dialogue with a female subordinate prior to the start of an improper workplace relationship with the woman. An element that significantly significantly factored into the severity of his one year suspension, sources told ESPN. Those investigative findings which described verbiage on Yudoka. Part that was deemed especially concerning, coming from a workplace superior, contribute to what is likely a difficult pathway back to his reinstatement as Celtics coach in 2023. Sources told ESPN. Then we saw some talking heads like Matt Barnes saying, "Like, well, I, I, I can't. He's never going to get a, a job again." And I think because this is the Nets, and because of the timing of this, and because. You know, Yudoka's barely been out of the NBA. He's not serving that one year suspension. It's the the Nets going after him, especially what's happening with Kyrie Irving and everything else um behind the scenes. Uh, the the standard for quote unquote culture is being thrown out the window and I don't pertain to know all the details other than what has been reported. And is this an appropriate hire for the Nets when you're talking about everything that else is happening and and, and, and such? Maybe, maybe not. That's not for, for me to judge. Ultimately, Joe Sy, if this does happen, is looking to prioritize what he said before, the religion of winning. Imagi Doka is a winning head coach. He is a team that's led a letter team to the NBA Finals. Now, does And there's been reports as well. I'll, I'll find the at the article by ESPN saying that the Nets apparently did their vetting as well. But it is a messy situation, Nick, before it's even begun.
1: Yeah, it is definitely a messy situation. And I think it's fair for people to look at it in a negative light if they want to. You know, if they want to say you know the Nets don't care about morals or you know, different things, I think that's a fair take to have. You know, if you want to be upset with the Nets with the way they've handled this and going after Udoka after he's been suspended for misconduct, I think it's fair to be upset. But like you said, Udoka as a coach, he is a great NBA head coach. And on the court, he can have a real positive impact with this Nets team and hopefully help them lead lead them to their goals. There's, there's more drama added to it and more spotlight added to the Nets. You know, they were probably easily one of the most hated teams in the league. And now you could probably turn that up a lot more after today.
2: Yeah, the ESPN article from Rose. the Nets have been vetting the circumstances around Yudoka's suspension and believe he can tighten up... The, the fact that, like, he this follows it and believe he can tighten up the league's 29th-ranked defensive team and command the leadership in a difficult locker room, sources said. Now, as we've said a billion times on this podcast, when Rose reports about the Nets, he gets it from Sean Marks. So that's something probably coming straight from Sean Marks directly, if not maybe Joe Sy. But Joe Sy likes to do a lot of his stuff also with Brian Lewis of the New York Post. So- it's a pretty wild sentence to say out loud on a podcast let alone read from Adrian Wojnarowski. and look should, is M.A. Yudoka credible enough with you know, what he's done as an NBA head coach in terms of you know, the X's and O's and all those sort of things yes but does he deserve to be a head coach based off the, the a suspension that was given to him by the Boston Celtics that's something that I'm. I'm not meaning to hedge. I'm not meaning to sit on the fence here. It's because, as you alluded to, Nick, we don't fully know this. We've chatted to a lot of Celtics people behind the scenes that we sort of know have some decent sources, and and they know certain things, and and they don't know certain things as well. So, it's up for the Nets to decide. And ultimately, this is a a, a team that is prioritizing winning, and a winning head coach, and a guy that's led a team to an NBA Finals, and a guy that has brought accountability to a team. You know, he called out his superstars, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, early in the season when they started incredibly poorly and they turned it all around to being the best team since the calendar year and they have continued that even in his absence and and a lot of those were because of Imai Yudoka how do you balance the things that are really hard to sort of consume and and talk about off the court with the stuff that he's done on the court look it's I think two white dudes speaking about issues when it comes to to race and, and gender diversity and gender issues can sometimes come off a bit rich and i acknowledge that that's why i don't pertain to have all the answers and that's why i i pertain. i want to listen to to people that are in those positions like the chauncey billups hiring is is something that sort of reminds me of something similar now chauncey billups um his issues in the past involved a, a sexual assault rape investigation obviously that was a long time ago and depending on how you want to compare that to Ime Yudoka and his inappropriate gestures and, and the circumstances and the dialogue that he had, the crude language that he had in the consensual relationship that he had with his female subordinate. Look, I, I don't know how to compare those two things. It's like talking about the Curry It's hard Abings. to
1: compare because you don't have all the details of the information. You know, you're just, no. you're just having a report to you. And obviously he did something wrong. It seems like it was at least somewhat substantial. If they're going to suspend him for a whole year, given he just led them to a ch- uh, championship run, obviously they lost in the finals, but you know, it's hard to really, you know, gauge it. And then I think it's also just like this entire Nets team is a mess. You know, there's different degrees of reasons you can be upset with them, you know, from Joe size connections to, you know, May Udoka now, and then obviously the recent events with Kyrie Irving. So I think there's multiple elements with this team for people to be upset. And I think it's you know, it's your almost your own personal opinion and how you feel about the team, and you know how it's, you want to view the things. It's not I'm not I'm not here to tell people how to view the Nets.
2: No, you, however you feel is is valid in some form. If your you know, opinion is is justified in, in some form or another, and a lot of people's opinions are now the opinion of Steve Nash and Sean Marks is that the the the, the what Steve may Doka did do wasn't bad enough to banish him or not hire him as an nba head coach if that does happen you know nets daily reporting that they they heard from insiders that yudoka had repeatedly sent a reported repeatedly sorry repeatedly sent inappropriate messages to women on the celtic staff now if that is true then that is pretty awful uh, as well we are not by any means excusing the behavior by email yudoka or You're saying that this is the hiring of the century. We would be saying it's the hiring of the century if Imei Yudoka didn't have all of this background to him that is incredibly hard to comprehend. But unfortunately, he does. And unfortunately for the people that have been associated with him and been a victim of of that sort of stuff, victim might not be the right word, but I'm just – it's. This is really hard to talk about on a podcast, let alone tweet about, or don't have your own opinions about, but we are trying to do our best to sort of separate the two and provide the most information so everyone can have their own opinions. So we're giving everything that we have. We're giving our own opinions on it as a basketball side, as a culture sort of side of things, giving everything that Kyrie Irving has said and, and, and Joe's side, his ties to, you know, obviously all the awful things that he has as well. This is... The Nets are an organization that is dysfunctional, to say the least, and this hiring isn't necessarily going to change that. But it could make them a better basketball team, and ultimately, is that's probably what most people are going to want.
1: Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you said, there's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of nasty stuff connected to multiple people in this organization. But in terms of on the court, Yudoka is almost... I don't want to say a perfect fit, but ideal in the sense of you just let go of your head coach. You are bringing in a guy who has experience with your stars, was part of your staff, you know, two seasons ago and really has talked to Ben Simmons as well. Yeah. Ben Simmons had arguably his best season, when Yudoka was part of that Philadelphia assistant coach staff. And then also Yudoka's specialty is kind of where the Nets are struggling the most, and that's defensively. And he's going to hold guys accountable. We've complained over the course of the first seven games that there has been no accountability. So him lighting guys up and really tightening up the defense could be exactly what the team needs. Obviously, there's going to have to be improvement from players as well. But I think you look at just some of the simple defensive mistakes we consistently saw over the course of the first seven to eight games, and you saw that tonight even against Chicago. You know, Royce O'Neill and Nick Claxton not on the same page, giving Zach Levine a wide open three. You know, yeah. you just you just can't do that. And that's the type of thing that you hope a guy like Udoka could come in and kind of fix right off rip.
2: Yeah, I think you know, sure Marx was saying things like, you know, accountability, charisma, these sort of things that we sort of know that M.A. Udoka does possess. And, and accountability is one thing that he is. You know, if Kyrie Irving w- was producing what he produced tonight and M.A. Udoka was head coach, he probably would have been benched for Paddy Mills or Edmund Sumner because he doesn't take that sort of stuff. And yep. that's a good quality as a head coach that he does have. Again, not excusing any of the, the stuff that has happened off the court and the reason why he was fired, but just focusing on the basketball sort of side of things. But Nick, should we finish this one up and then do a game recap? Do you want to do two separate bonus pods? What, how are we going to do this one, my, my guy?
1: Yeah, we can just bang out the recap, I think, real quick. I think, like you said with Yudoka, we're waiting for it all to be finalized, and he's obviously going to have to answer to the press if this, this hiring does come to fruition. And we'll have a lot more answers and details and things to discuss when that all comes together. For now, it's just kind of what we have presented to us. We've kind of both dug around a little bit trying to find out a little bit more information. The only thing I've really gotten is that it was nasty. No one really wanted to give me anything more than that. But uh, I guess we can move on to something else that was pretty nasty tonight, and that was the Nets loss to the Bulls, 108-99, in a game where they pretty much led majority of the time just to blow it late in the third and fourth quarter.
2: 41 points in the last half. That's basically... Disgusting. What, the, it was awful, and a lot of that almost was on Kyrie Irving, who barely scored until like the third quarter. He... I think that's where it, start, it should start. Because yeah. Kevin Durant was incredible on both ends of the floor. He continued his game that he showed against Indiana Pacers and then some. He was on. He was happy that uh, there was no Nash November. He was loving life. It didn't matter if it was Jacques Vaughn leading things. But Kyrie Irving was putrid. This was one of his worst games as a Brooklyn net. And it was... Worst I was getting, of his entire career. Literally. And people are calling me out saying, he played 43 minutes last night. It's just like, well, Kevin Rand played 39 minutes last night. Like, you are backing up. And obviously there is all of the stuff that's happening behind the scenes for Kyrie but he's the one that said those things he's the one that's tweeted out those things you need to back it up your job is as a basketball player to produce as a basketballer and he did not do that and that's not me dehumanizing him like he said to many reporters or whatever he played shit two or twelve from the field always six from three six rebounds seven assists three turnovers minus 14 on the night and only four points when he wanted to get baskets Nick he got them with ease it's just like he didn't want to he had the ball he hands and Royce was giving it back to him. He kept giving it back. It's just like, he is the main reason I think why the Nets lost this game. And I'm pretty frustrated and pissed at his performance. It reminded me, as I tweeted out a lot of James Harden's insipid performance against the Kings, but Kyrie Irving doesn't want out of Brooklyn, or maybe he does. Maybe he wants to go to Lakeland, but this was just pitiful by Kyrie.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a horrendous performance. And you know, you don't even care as much about the four points. You know, it's not it's not the end of the world that he, you know, didn't have a great shooting game. It was the mentality in which he had on the court, the disinterest in playing, the lack of aggressiveness and involvement with the team. Like you mentioned, he was getting switches. He was getting a one on one with Nikola Vucevic, who is not a good defender in space at all. Kyrie could cook him every single possession if he truly wanted to, and he was kicking the ball back to Royce O'Neal. He was kicking the ball back to Edmund Sumner. It was just. It was just bad. There's really no other way to put it. Just that level of effort and energy from a guy who's supposed to be your second best player and supposed to be, quote unquote, a leader on this team to play like that is just not acceptable. And, you know, obviously everyone's entitled to a bad game, but it's not the bad game. It's the mentality and just the the level of engagement he had tonight. And I think. KD was upset with it. I think KD wasn't happy. There was a couple clips where you saw him shaking his head at Kyrie Irving. You saw him leave the court before the buzzer went off at the end of the game. It's stuff like that. It's like, how can you win a championship and count on a guy like this? You know, and, and that's not to be disrespectful to Kyrie, but it's just the history in which he's had over the course of the last couple of seasons. You know, you get some of these performances where he kind of falls off a cliff and then he has all the off the court drama that brings the extra attention and negativity to the team.
2: No, and I think that uh, what we've sort of said about Kyrie, you know, this season, and probably opening night, was he left it all out there. Yeah. Now he, he, and six of 19 from the field, and, you know, uh, uh, obviously, but the engagement level was there on both ends. You know, he was just lazy mentally tonight, and he was yeah. making dumb fouls, dumb passes, dumb everything. And it was just, uh, uh, I, the fact that he, you're relying on your second superstar and in the absence of Ben Simmons. Like we have we already have to worry about, you know, a guy that's in street clothes taking enough shots. And now we have Kyrie Irving taking twelve shots. Like Royce O'Neal had like a, a career night, you know, a, a tightest career night. And Nick Claxton wasn't amazing, but was still really, really good. Joe Harris wasn't amazing, but Yuda Watson abe will continue to blow out. If we had have had an average Kyrie Irving night, the Nets win this game.
1: Yeah, honestly, I think if Kyrie didn't play and they gave Cam Thomas all of his minutes, the Nets probably would have won this game.
2: Tweet that out, Nick. Tweet that <laughs> out. You might have already done it, mate, there's a lot of tweets on the timeline right now because, look, the 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 opinions we have on Cam Thomas are, are very strong. We love Cam Thomas. And that's not
1: even, th- I'm not even like, I wouldn't call myself like a Cam Thomas lover or anything like that. It's just like they needed someone to create and be aggressive at times, especially when KD had, you know, his 10 minutes of rest. They needed someone to initiate, and in. that's a, a true shot maker. You know, you give credit to guys like David Duke Jr. and Edmund Sumner for trying to create some things with the ball in their hands, but Cam has a, a knack to score, and I think, you know, we could have used him tonight with a regular rotation, but we could have definitely used him even more when Kyrie being a no-show.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and another big reason why the Nets lost Nick was 24 points off of turnovers that the Chicago Bulls had. The Nets had 17 turnovers, whereas they only forced 10 from the Bulls and they had 14 points off those turnovers. So I think the Bulls only
1: had two turnovers in the second half
2: there you go. And I thought the Nets were really good defensively in the first half. I thought that they they seemed to be really on and really engaged. And the scoreboard didn't really reflect it. But, you know, shout out to to the Bulls for just hanging in and doing enough to sort of hang in. And then, you know, exceed the the Nets 56 to to 41 in that final half. Those turnovers really did kill the Nets. And, you know, it it led to an extra, let me take a look, 14 shooting possessions. They took 89 shots and the Nets took 75. We've spoken so often about that. You know, when the Nets were really humming along, you know games against like the Nuggets and stuff, and they'll have like 10 extra shooting possessions, and the Nets still win. Well, it's just like, well, they're so talented. They've got the big three sort of going on. The Nets aren't good enough right now. They cannot give the ball away. And Kevin Rand had six turnovers tonight as well. He took accountability for that. He needs to be better. I also think the teammates around him need to be better at supporting him. Get next to him. Someone just like get close to him so he can they make it easy They just have to flash path. the
1: ball. You know, there are too many times they are kind of sitting in their spots instead of giving him that easy outlet. And that's that's been a problem. And it's really crazy given that most of these guys have spent at least a year with Kevin Durant or played, you know, a good chunk of games with him to have an understanding that he's gonna get double teamed. And when he's stuck in that corner, you have to give him a viable pass. You know, you can't expect him to to throw the pass across the court when there's two guys heavily in his face, you know, fully extended.
2: Yeah, our guys aren't high Q high IQ enough to just make that read. You know, just just get near him, just just make the a simple pass, and then you just give it back to him, and and get a screen so he can take one of his middies. But you know, out of the post tonight, I I liked the way that they were they were initiating a lot of action through Kevin Durant through the post, and he was making kick out passes and sort of you know split post ups, so that sort of stuff. Um, he was great in that sort of department, but they went away from that, or the Bulls sort of forced him away from that uh, in a lot of respects too. But
1: yeah, I, I mean, look, the Bulls saw that there was really no other viable creator on the floor. You know, it was really just like Kevin Durant out there because Kyrie was disinterested and they weren't playing Cam Thomas. So it was like, if we can stop him and just force the ball out of his hands, we'll live with the results of everything else, especially given, you know, Seth Curry out, obviously TJ Warren still out and, you know, Ben Simmons out to an extent of just having that other ball handler or somebody who can at least do something with the ball in their hands. And, that's a flaw of this team. I think that's something that's definitely stuck out the the first cu- the last couple games is the lack of ball handling, the lack of creation after Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving.
2: Yeah, the Nets aren't a good offensive team or defensive team. Like it's just yeah. they're they are they are a bad team. They are two and six. They're two and four at home, and now they head to uh, a back to back again in a couple of days' time, where they can hopefully reset uh, against the Wizards and and the Hornets. But you know, there's a whether Imeyodeko is there by that point, whether Seth Curry's back, whether Ben Simmons is back, you know, that, that's plenty of st- stuff to discuss. We might probably be doing a pot if we get the Imei Doka hiring over the coming days. But you know, Royce O'Neal was the the second best net tonight, Nick. You know, eight of 12 from the field for him. four, six from three, five rebounds, three assists, had a steal, had a bit of back and forth with Nikola Vucevic, was, was, which was certainly fun. That fired him up. You know, sort of an enforcer, a bit of a sort of grittier guy that we got from him. But it still wasn't enough, and and I thought that he, he, he played really, really well tonight.
1: Yeah, I thought this was probably his best game of the season offensively. You know, he just kind of was locked in, knocking down threes, didn't try to really do too much, and that's kind of been an issue for him or... Missing too many threes, I thought he was not as hesitant with the three-ball too. You know, a quicker trigger tonight, which is something huge. I don't think you can expect 20 from him on a regular basis, but it almost makes it worse that you wasted a great shooting game from him and you weren't able to capitalize in that fourth quarter because of shortcomings in other areas.
2: Then plenty of shortcomings. So... (laughs) Joe Harris, I thought, was good ish tonight, Nick, but I thought, you know, he was much better last sure, night. Sure, on
1: all of his threes, something I feel like you always point out. I think the second night of the back to back, not to make an excuse for him, but he just and I thought he was probably on a minute restriction given he only played twenty-one.
2: Yeah, and you to Watson played twenty-eight. You know, that was yeah. that was nice to see. You know, Jacques Vaughn's... that was good. Utah was was great, Nick. Your ten points, four or six in the field, two or three from three, four boards, two blocks, including a vicious volleyball spike on on Demar Derozan. Uh, we are a Utah Watanabe Stan Hive, wh- whatever group collective are supporting this man. We are a part of because. This guy could literally play in the postseason and, and play some genuine minutes for this Nets team. It is the best hiring, the best move Sean Marks made in this offseason.
1: Yeah, until we see TJ Warren healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I was looking, thinking to myself the other day is, you know, Utah and TJ are probably two of the best vet minimum signings. Obviously, TJ has to get healthy and get, you know, prove it on the court, but Utah's really stepped up, and like you said, he's looked like he's a guy that could fit in a playoff rotation because he's so switchy defensively and offensively he does just enough. And if his three-point shooting stays this hot, it's going to be huge for this team, and it's going to give you a really nice option off the bench. I think just touching on Sumner and uh, David Duke Jr., you know, both guys play with great effort and energy. You know, Sumner, I thought, had some really nice passes and drives in this game, but they're all both limited. Especially shooting wise, and it seems like they always end up on the court together, which hurts both of them.
2: Yeah, I, I think that the Nets really need. So, Immanuel Yudoka will figure it out, and hopefully, he he hires some new staff and is able to go. All right, this is what we need to do. This is how the Nets can be unlocked on both ends of the floor. But I think that they need to lean in a little bit more to their offense. You know, like David Duke Jr. playing 19 minutes—is he worthy of 19 minutes? Give Kessler Edwards some of those minutes. You know, maybe. You Yudoka could unlock a, a bit of him. Cam Thomas as well. Like, there's some rotation stuff. You know, we didn't see any of Markeith Morris. That's fine, I guess, because YouTube Watson arbe played some extended minutes. But, you know, the bench was better tonight. And I thought Paddy hitting a couple of his threes, including some self created stuff, looked decent enough. But he's just barbecue chicken on the other end of the floor um, so often, whether it's Goran Dragic or, or whoever else it might be. So, those nine points, he was still minus four in 10 minutes. It's just the, the nets rotation is is a bit of a, a hodgepodge, of just like putting it all together and hoping for the best. It's like one of those amateur you know baking cooking shows. You know, you put some stuff together and hopefully it tastes nice, but the nets are are, are are far from delicious right now, Nick.
1: Yeah, there's a lack of balance and there's a lack of identity in a lot of these lineups. You know, even you saw Katie Cook in the second corner, uh, second quarter, and it wasn't because he played in a great lineup. It was just because he was awesome. He was hitting all of his shots. You know, he was hitting a ton of contested looks creating for himself, but he was essentially out there. And the next best shooter was Utah Watanabe. You know, it's just a lot. And I think he had something at his presser talking about, you know, they asked him about the six turnovers and he said, you know, get used to it. You know, I have five guys in the other team looking at me and that's, that's kind of an indictment on his teammates. And to an extent, I'm sure he doesn't mean it in the most disrespectful way, but The fact is the other team isn't respecting these guys. And I think that's where you really need Seth Curry. That's where you really need TJ Warren. That's where you need Joe Harris to kind of get back to being healthy. And that's potentially where maybe you could, you know, squeeze in a Cam Thomas. I think it I think at some point Cam has to take over the Patty Mills minutes just because Patty is so bad defensively. You know, it's every single night we see the opposing point guard go right at him. You know, against the Pacers, it was TJ McConnell. Tonight, it's Goran Drogic, and it's just a bucket for the other team or it's advantage created, uh, allowing them to get a good shot or a good scoring opportunity.
2: Yeah, and Kevin Durant, um, Nick, via Lucas Kaplan, on his six turnovers. Every night, I'm guarded by five players. Yeah. Get used to my turnovers. That's <laughs> yeah. fair.
1: I mean, there's nothing, especially when your second best player is not doing anything. And I think, again, you mentioned just like the lineups are not necessarily balanced or they should lean into offense, you know, maybe have one or two defensive minded guys or one or two non-shooters. But there's too many times where it's you know three non-shooters on the floor and that's just not acceptable in 2022 in the NBA. And it's not like there aren't other options that can shoot. In yeah, maybe you're giving up some other areas, but it's allowing you to operate your offense at a high level, which with this team is probably the most important thing.
2: Yeah, give him some goddamn support and Kyrie wow. Irving should be the one looking in the mirror and that and hopefully Kevin Oran has a bit of a word to to his buddy about the lack of support that he gave him tonight in 33 minutes, it was one of the worst games that I've seen Kyrie Irving ever play. He'd better bounce back against the Wizards because we need some wins. We are falling fast, Nick.
1: Yeah, uh, truly. You know, it's obviously er- very, very early in the season, but you want to rack up these wins. You know, the Nets are now sitting at 2-6, and six, technically 13th in the Eastern Conference and the problem is, is that there's just the same type of issue all the time. It's the Nets blowing games. It's not like they're getting severely outplayed or the other teams so, so good. Like, I didn't think the Bulls were great tonight. You know, the Bulls were good in the fourth quarter, but the Nets had plenty of opportunities to turn this into a 20-point lead, and there was just too many mental mistakes or just too many opportunities they didn't capitalize on.
2: Yep. It's as simple as that. But any, it's anything but simple in Nets land given. The incredible furor that continues to happen of being a Nets podcaster, but I wouldn't wouldn't change it for the world, Nick. Wouldn't change it for the world. Maybe I would, actually. I'd, I'd change a lot of it. But in saying that, love doing it with you, mate.
1: Yeah, I would change uh you know, squeeze a couple championships in there. I think it'd be a lot easier for us to uh, deal with a lot of this off the court drama.
2: But and also, yeah, and also, just before I do sign off, and we do sign off, Nick, I'm going to be away for a couple of days and a couple of game recaps. So Nick's either going to be doing those solo. Or he's going to get a great guest, probably better than me anyway, because they will be celebrating my birthday. So thank you to everyone who continues to support the Brooklyn Buzz.
1: Yeah, we appreciate it. Make sure you check out The Buzz on all streaming platforms. Give us those five-star reviews and check us out on Instagram at BrooklynBuzzPod. But, Jack, always a pleasure, and big thanks
4: to everybody for listening.